Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to Power Your Life, and I'm Joanne White, and I'm excited about today's guest, and I'm excited about the new arena, not just in leadership, because I think this also affects our personal lives, and I always say that you, we, are leaders in our own lives, so this is very important. I have an incredible guest, Tracy Martino, who's a neuroleadership coach, And she helps organizations and individuals access optimal performance by changing behaviors and patterns through her signature program, Executive Returns. This breakthrough program combines her research of neuroleadership, neuroeconomics, heart math, and conversational intelligence. Tracy understands how an overwhelmed, burned-out executive can undermine their own success. As an award-winning sales executive and trainer, she struggled with balancing a high-pressure career and her personal life. Ignoring the signals her body was giving her, Tracy continued to push through and ended up in the ER with chest pains and palpitations, so she's been there. She co-authored Cracking the Code to Success with Brian Tracy. Tracy is a speaker, poet, and a writer, and she's been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post, Positively Positive, Rock Creek Living, The Master Shift, Elephant Journal, and much more. Welcome, Tracy Martino. How are you? Good. Thank you. So happy to be on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. And this is such a fascinating, we were talking earlier, Tracy, it's such a fascinating field, and it's a new field. And for some of our listeners who don't even know what neuroleadership is, is they're going to get it here from Tracy Martino first. So what is neuroleadership? Well, neuroleadership is a new emerging field of study, and it draws upon the latest brain research to improve the quality of leadership and leadership development. And it's based on four leadership activities they focus on this. Uh, Number one, how leaders make decisions, which would be how you and I make decisions too, how anybody does. Number two, um, how leaders solve problems how they regulate their emotions, and how they collaborate with others. So how is this really changing how executives and their employees are doing business in terms of interrelating with one another? What, what, what's the big shift that we're seeing? Well, a lot of the big shift, what I'm seeing is, is a lot of awareness and education. So, Leadership programs have been going on since the early 90s, and corporations have invested a ton in that. And they haven't, over time, they haven't seen the results that they're getting. And what I'm seeing is with individuals within these corporations, they are, there's limited resources, and they tend to get this phenomenon out there called collaborative overload. And the Harvard Business Review just had an article on that about 
maybe a couple months ago that three to five percent of individuals out there will get most of the workload and sometimes what i've noticed these certain individuals are addicted to that they want that workload but you know then you have to look at the organizational structure and they put that on these individuals so if you look at neuroleadership we kind of dissect the organization into okay what's going on with these individuals why aren't they performing to their to their top performance why aren't they engaging and you know when i get into more to talking about neuroleadership there's so many things that happen in the brain where individuals will uh, feel a, a reward or a threat in the brain and that's where we're starting to see some of the change in organizations so when an executive per se challenges an employee and and puts that employee on probation or whatever or is or is unhappy or dissatisfied with his or her performance what does that do to the brain and and how and if if kind of it's a twofold question and if executives and managers are recognizing that something is happening what are they doing to kind of correct that well it this is a uh, this is a very interesting question because what 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 uh the Neuroleadership Institute research has shown is that there's five triggers that create this reward circuitry in the brain or the threat circuitry in the brain. And it starts with the acronym SCARF. And so S meaning status, C, certainty, A, autonomy, R, relatedness, and F, fairness. So let's say this executive uh, reprimands this person and they put them on probation. Well, this person's going to actually, you're going to hit that, that status trigger, right? So that person's going to go into that fight-or-flight mode, and they're going to hit the area of the brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala mm -hmm. is basically kind of our house of fear, and that's in our limbic portion of our brain where we aren't going to make the best decisions. It's the area where we have more cortisol and we have norepinephrine and testosterone. So that person's really not going to listen to their manager, especially if they're on probation. So what neuroleadership has, has done in organizations such as Cigna, Cigna recently did um, a whole case study. They actually changed their performance plans based on the SCARF model I just talked about and they changed their performance management program. And instead of having performance plans, because from my understanding that's been done since World War II, they've actually turned that around, and they've actually said, hey, we want people to engage more. We want people to have more energy. So instead of something like that, they changed it to, they, they called it um, uh, uh, bridging to connect. And so they, mm. they want to connect more with, with their employees instead of, like, reprimanding them. They want to see how can we get these people to perform more. It's, it's fascinating. You think that that's also a product of, of everything that's going on with social media and the need to connect and to really kind of create those, those relationships? I mean, it may, may or may not be, but it just seems a fascinating po You know, possibly. What I, what I'm, you know, it's, it's funny because people are so bombarded by social media and electronics and and again getting back to that collaborative overload i have a client that is is so overloaded that he has these add like qualities of, of him and he loses time to connect with his family and he loses time to connect with his employees because he's so he's so scattered 
Mm. It's sad. So basically, it's undermining it's undermining his connection to to important people in his life. Absolutely, the social media aspect. Absolutely, because you know the the trend, the still the trend with organizations, they still want to put a lot of money into engagement. They really want to focus on how can we increase this engagement. Well, I think engage, you know, I think engagement is important, and and if it's in, you know, we're talking about the workplace. There's meaningful engagement when people are collaborating and coming up with new ideas and 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 creating together, and it's an atmosphere of camaraderie and not necessarily competition or or like you know the, the fight or flight responses you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Something else that you do that I'm also fascinated about, and that's this this program that you have called Executive Returns. So tell us about mm-hmm. that. It's a great name. I love it. What does it mean, and, and <laughs> well, how does it work? <laughs> well, <laughs> Executive Returns, I want people to understand how important it is to reinvest in your basically your neurochemistry, right? How can we get to engage better with with each other. So with executive returns, I start a lot of focus on personal triggers. And that is key because when we have personal triggers or the triggers based on that scarf model, you're Mm -hmm. going to have a fight or flight response. And also, when your triggers are hit, talking about engagement, you're not going to want to engage somebody. And you're not going to trust that person. So it's my goal, first of all, to understand where, where are these triggers coming from? And then next step is where do these behaviors and patterns come from as a result of these triggers? So that's where I start with that. And then with the executive returns program, we, we get into a lot with uh, conversational intelligence. We get into heart math because I'm a heart math instructor mm-hmm. also. And we, we tie the whole program together so the person understands their triggers and they understand their patterns, and then they know how to be more emotionally resilient with heart math because it all starts with the heart. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of research with that, too, and the heart is so powerful in terms of everything that it can do. So I have a question for you because mm-hmm. um, the triggers, what are some triggers that people have not only in business but also in business that, that again, trigger those responses that may be unhealthy responses and then the 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 opposite more healthier um responses. Well, I think what a big what a big trigger is for a lot of people is certainty because we're living in such an uncertain time. Mm-hmm. And that sends people into yes, a fight or flight mode and it sends them into a lot of worry. And there's twofold to that. When the brain the brain is a pattern recognizer. And so when we are uncertain of something, let's say we are uncertain about our relationship, or let's say we're uncertain, what I've seen is all of a sudden, I see this from my 12-year-old daughter, (laughs) she'll send somebody text and they don't respond. She's uncertain about how this person is, is reacting to her. She's uncertain about what they're saying. And so she gets really stressed out about that. And so two things with uncertainty is it's important to, to clarify and important to communicate with somebody when they're feeling uncertain. And then when I tell people, when I coach people when they're feeling uncertain, this is more of a spiritual aspect of it, I say just know you have everything you need at that moment. Mm. Don't worry about everything in the future. You have everything you need at 
that moment. Because we do. Right. It's about totally focusing and trusting in the present too, and which which is sort of what you're saying, and it's so important. Yeah. Uh, you talk about collaborative overload. What does that mean mm-hmm. in an organization? I, I mean, well, collaborative overload. It, oh yes, it's actually it's actually a very scary trend, and it's happening more because companies have less resources. And it also, you have to look at also the organizational flow chart. But what I'm seeing is with collaborative overload is that you have these certain individuals who almost volunteer or they will not put in boundaries and they'll take on extra workload. They'll take on extra projects. They'll take on managing more people. They are responsible for that, but also the company is putting more workload onto that. And usually what's interesting is there's certain perpetrators within collaborative overload. Like it might be the vice president of sales or it might be the vice president of marketing. They know this, this person's always going to take the workload, so they're going to dump it on this individual. And this individual is so prideful, and they also love the status of being able to take on everything, so they take it on. But this person then gets burnt out, and he gets resentful, and then this same person might spread something called an emotional virus. So there's many aspects which carry on to this collaborative overload. It's kind of just like a a wicked web. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because we think, oh, it's so great. That person is taking on so much, and, and yeah, go to it. And yet, as you're talking, Tracy, there there can be a real downside to it, that it and, and it really can have – injurious effects for the whole organization and company. So the, so that's kind of surprising. Well, amazing. Well, it, yeah, exactly. You... And, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. I'll what ask makes it me ask. sad for individuals who take on this collaborative overload is think about it, what it does to the body over time. If somebody, this is an interesting scientific fact, if somebody gets triggered, okay, their inner leukin-7, which is a measure of inflammation in the body, stays active for 72 hours. So think about wow. the inflammation of the body. Mm. Which can and cause so, we so wonder much. Inf- why the, oh, I'm sorry, go on. No, I said the inflammation of the body can do so much in the causation of diseases and all sorts of, of physical challenges over time. Exactly. Exactly. And then you take the cortisol. Cortisol stays in the body for a day and a half. So you look at these individuals, it just breaks my heart to see. I think it's great that they are motivated to take on, but what is the effect, the burnout and the inflammation and the cortisol over time, and then our health care is going to go up. I mean, so you have to look at this whole picture of these individuals within organizations. You know, from what you're saying, they're not even aware that this is happening. It's just... <clears throat> which is which you know can be a problem unless somebody says hey wait a minute maybe you need to check to to check this out a little bit because it may seem like wow look I'm doing a great job I'm just doing this and this and this and this and <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into neural leadership Tracy It started out when I was becoming a heart math coach and I loved the relationship of the neurochemistry between the mind, the heart, and Mm -hmm. the nervous system. And I realized how important it was to create coherence in the body 
because of the physical um, issues I just talked about. But then I thought, okay, I understand and I love working with the heart. What more can I do to understand the mind? So I started researching. I have a degree in economics, so I started researching. Ironically, I started with neuroeconomics. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting for me, for me to study, and I took a little course in neuroeconomics. And to me it was fascinating how we can look at perceptual value and subjective value, and we can look at many things, how the mind and the brain chemistry work on making decisions. And then it ties into the whole emotional aspect. So then I discovered neural leadership, and I thought, this makes sense. Let's tie this all together, and let's see how I can serve humanity with this. It's just beautiful. So how do you br- bring together the the information from neuroleadership, the brain, and, and, and neuroscience with heart math and the whole incredible information that we know about the power of the heart and emotions and being able to, to wield changes and do all sorts of incredible things? Well, I do start with actually the education of neuroleadership and neuroscience because I think it helps an individual understand that, that hey, I'm human and my brain is wired this way. My brain is wired for survival. So it's natural that I have these triggers. So cause so many times as in human beings, we beat ourselves up thinking, oh, my God, why did I do this? I give them a reason saying, hey, you are wired this way. So once they understand that, then I talk about the connection. I, it's a beautiful flow into the heart. And I, and I talk about that power of the heart. I talk about how you have the ability to change the energy in the room because the heart emits an electromagnetic field up to 10 feet away, and you really have the power to change the energy of the room, not only from being aware of your own triggers, but shifting that mindset of the triggers down into your heart. And then with gratitude, breathe in and out of your heart and feel that shift. You can tell I just get so excited talking about this, but yeah, it's it's just and, I, it's and you know, and I'm doing it as you're talking because I love this whole area and and it works and and not only that when you do that cause, because you've changed that within yourself within a room or whatever, but but the the effect also is that it changes the other people in the room. They in turn go out and begin to change. You know, it's this in, incredible effect that. I just love and I find fascinating, and it's incredibly healing if if we understand it and can really utilize it to you know to like you're saying in service and and helping people. It's it's just fantastic. So trust, trust. Firstly, I mean, let's talk about trust in in an organization because the, the neuro leadership and trust have are linked to some extent. And so what happens mm-hmm. in an organization when, and it may not even be, I'm looking more in terms of bullying a little bit, where there are other employees that may be bullying an, an employee. How does that lack of trust or, or interference with the trust quality affect what's going on in the organization and in, in the individuals, all, you know, all the individuals involved? Well, with, with trust, with the neurochemistry of trust, when we trust somebody, we, you know, we have the, the, the beautiful hormones of dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin, and these are all the feel-good bonding hormones. A lot of these hormones we have when we're born, and they happen when we have that connection with our mother when we're, when we're breastfeeding. 
okay, when we are breastfed. And when we distrust, we have all the negative hormones out there, right? We have the cortisol, the norepinephrine, which sets us up for fight, and then we have testosterone. So when we go into the far opposite end of, we'll start with distrust, we, go, again, go back into that limbic portion of our brain. And we are actually kind of in that fight-or-flight mode. We're kind of in that protective mode. And so when we distrust, we don't want to engage. We hold back. And sometimes we even hold back information. We don't want to share. We don't want to discover. We, so that's a detriment to organizations. So sometimes if somebody's bullying somebody in an organization, because sometimes people want to be liked, some people do, some people don't, they will just actually go with what that person is doing. They'll kind of try to mirror image what that person's doing, like the bullying. They'll say, hey, I think you should make the decision to fire this person. They'll say they bully them into that. And that person, since they're in that distrust mode, they're going to go along with it more. And so it's, it's, very, it's very fascinating. So what we want to do with trust is we, we want to explore how can we open up and build this trust and build engagement. So what are some, some recommendations for opening up trust, not just in a, an organization, but also in the home? One thing is conversation. It starts with conversation, and it starts with sharing and discovering. So it's really important that people really search to ask questions they don't have answers for. Too many times I've seen people, even in relationships, I've seen one person or the other addicted to being right. And when they're addicted to being right, the other person is listening to them from an aspect of saying, I don't trust because you're not taking the time to understand me or discover me or connect with me. So it's important both parties understand how important it is to discover, like I said, and ask questions that you have no answers for. Because you might say to somebody, what are your aspirations? And I discovered just the word aspiration changes the neurochemistry in the brain. It opens up to the frontal portion of your brain, your executive portion, where somebody's like, wow, I'm talking about what I want to aspire to, and you're willing to listen. Let's connect. Well, the words also carry incredible energy. So you also work with energy. How do you pull all this together, the heart math, the neural leadership, the energy? Because to me, they're all related. How do you do it in your your program? (laughs) Well, the energy work, work I actually, (laughs) well, with the energy work, the, the reconnective healing, I actually just bring that into the room. I don't tell them about it at that point. I I talk more about the science and the heart math. That's kind of me. I kind of center the room. I kind of work with my heart math, and I work with the healing. I do individual healings with people one-on-one if if they request it. Okay, so I get it because I kind of do the same thing with with, with, just opening up the room and making sure everything energetically feels ready for whatever is about to happen. What do you find most fascinating about this in in terms of its future direction for for businesses for for organizations and for the economy of different countries? What I find fascinating is how this affects people's decision making 
because there's been so many articles out there actually how artificial intelligence makes better decisions than humans. And <laughs> it actually, you know, and it's fascinating because the part they talk about is what makes us different than computers and artificial intelligence is the emotional part. And that's right. what fascinates me because it's, I think, how can we work with our emotions to benefit us? Because we are always going to get triggered. We are human, so we're emotional, and we have to make decisions. I used to be in the medical um, industry as a medical device rep, and obviously it's very critical what kind of decisions physicians make. And there's a study in my neuroeconomics handbook, and it talks about how radiologists will look at the image of breast cancer. And a lot of times it's based on their perception, how they see the world. It's, is it subjective? Is it perceptual? And to me, that's very important in what kind of outcome you're going to tell your patient. Do you have breast cancer or not? So to me, just understanding how emotions affect that decision is, is the most fascinating topic I, I, can, I can study right now. Oh, I think it's very <clears throat> incredible. But yeah. also what you're saying, how artificial intelligence is just more accurate than we are, and and then uh, by the same token that our heart has such a power of affecting change. So what if, what if we were able to really be able to recognize and, and work with those triggers and work with our heart and get it to a place where, like, you know, you're doing with neural leadership, with the, where the heart, heart and the mind are so in sync and working together that, I mean, do you think we could surpass our artificial intelligence? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I really, I really we, believe that. I do too. So, so is it possible in our lifetime? Do you think to be able to get to that place where we recognize that, even though our heart is incredible, these, these are mechanisms that we have within within us, and energy that we have in us that we can consciously shift. Um, how soon? Yeah, you just gave me you just gave me chills. <laughs> I, I'm I'm like I've got. By saying it, because I think, you know, I I think it's it's really doable, like you say, and wow, it would make such a difference in our world. Oh, it would. It would open. I mean, as it is, and now I'm going to get on the the woo woo side, but energetically, <laughs> you know, you know, the world is really shifting and changing right now. Right. So consciousness really is coming to a head right now. So if we became more conscious beings of our triggers and how we're and what if we not only are triggered ourselves what if how is it if we trigger other people how is that going to be so if we're more mindful of that you're right think of how we're going to change the world that way oh i love it i think what you're doing is so important because this is opening up that expansion of the you know how the heart and the mind and the intelligence and the brain and the and, and the neurons and everything are working and energy are can all be working optimally to create this incredible person we you know us and something else i have to tell you cuz it's very exciting and that is i believe that at this point in time our abilities and maybe i'm talking more woo woo 
that our abilities in terms of just, you know, you want to call it sixth sense or just our extrasensory connections are expanding in, in, in individuals as we become more conscious. I agree because one thing about this work is what I've noticed is if you move your energy to that front part of your brain and you connect with the heart energy, your intuition opens up. Mm. I love it. So, Tracy, you and I can talk about this forever because <laughs> once I saw this, I thought, oh, I didn't know anything about it, and I started to research you and this, and I thought, yes, yes. That's all I kept saying in my head. So tell people how they could find out more about you, get your book, and you also have a new uh, book that's that's just being released and how they find out more about your program and your website. And, yes, I'm just going to say, yes, tell them everything you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, they can, con- they can uh, contact me. They can email me at Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at TracyMartino.com, or they can go visit my website at www.TracyMartino.com. Wonderful. Yes. And this program that you're doing, is that online? Is that in place? When's the next program or how does that work? Because I know well, somebody the, that's the, already oh, ready yeah. to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> the executive returns is an individual coaching I do, you know, either with corporations or one-on-one or in groups. I also do workshops. I just did a workshop based on um, my my book called the How to Get Out of Your Emotional Dumpster Fire. <laughs> so... That's, when is that's that another going, program. Yeah, when is that going to be released? Because I love the title. And how did you come up with this title? <laughs> well, that actually is in the book with Brian Tracy. That's the title. That's that's what I wrote about, The Emotional Dumpster Fire, within Cracking the Code of Success. Right. And, and how I came up with that title, it's very funny. It was during the election time, and they were talking a lot about emotional dumpster fires. And <laughs> I've seen... I've seen my 12-year-old daughter, and I've seen uh, clients get very emotionally drunk, I call it. And they, I said, they're an emotional dumpster fire. They, they're just, I can't reach them right at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what would you like to leave our listeners with that, that they can take away from, from what, what you do, this incredible work that you're doing, the neural leadership, and also their own lives? Well, I just want people to know they really do have the power to make to make that change, to make a difference with people. And it really starts with building that awareness and understanding that you're human and you're you're wired that way. You're wired to, you know, to survive. But you don't have to go with that human aspect. You have that ability in you to switch those triggers into your heart and make that difference in the world. Wonderful. Do you think that uh, neural leadership is taking hold in many organizations, or or is this just something right now that's selective? How is it working? Oh, I was just reading a journal entry how NASA worked Mm. with neural leadership, and they actually was fascinating. They kind of identified within their own leadership program what because they based that off that scarf model. They said, what, what are our blind spots within our, within our leadership program? And within their percentage, they looked at, at a percentage of 37% was certainty. Their big triggers and their big blind spots were certainty. 
And that's something that they had to switch and change. They had some other triggers and other issues that they had to deal with in their leadership program. But it was fascinating that NASA dealt with this. Cigna has dealt with this. Um, Mm. American Express. There's many large organizations who've dealt with neuroleadership because they're trying to change the trajectory of leadership. They want to see more engagement. They want to see more mindfulness because a lot of it actually is they're trying to avoid risk and they want to lower health care costs. So I have a new a new arena if it hasn't been touched already, and that's using this neuroscience in terms of neuroservice, like for oh, our like customers. That. You like mm-hmm. that? Because I, I uh, somebody it. was telling me yesterday that she was – in a doctor's office, and they were waiting for a long time, and nobody said anything. And I said to her, and I shared a story with her when when we were in an airport, and the planes were shut down, and the people at the desk could have said something. And I walked up to the person, and I said, can't you just – people are getting edgy and nervous, and can't you just say to them that you don't know? <laughs> And thank mm-hmm. you for being here. And the minute you, you know, something, give them something to ease them. Because to me, that's that's customer service. So wouldn't that be great in customer service? You and I could do that together. <laughs> you know, we should know that that would be beautiful. And because one thing what I've noticed, um, my cardiologist's office, because I had to go to see a cardiologist when I had my whole whole health scare. It's interesting enough that the front desk staff, is probably some of the most stressed out people. And I think because they're feeling the stressed out energy of individuals, right, coming in because dealing with the heart is scary. And I think if if you and I did this neuroservice to help even physicians and people and even these front desk staff of of a lot of these hospitals and cardiologist offices, I'm just thinking out loud about this, this would really make a difference in terms of patient outcome. I love it. And you know what? It could probably, as as you're talking, because I'm envisioning this too. As you're talking, we could actually change the whole physical structure of the waiting room too, <laughs> to accommodate. Yeah, well, absolutely, this. absolutely. All right. Well, that's something I would love to do with you. And you are incredible, Tracy Martino. And just tell people again how they can get a hold of you and your website. Yeah, my website is www.tracymartino.com, and Tracy is T-R-A-C-Y. Martino is M-A-R-T-I-N-O. And my email address is tracy at tracymartino.com. Wonderful. Tracy, thanks so much for being such a wonderful guest and for all you're doing to help change our hearts and minds and energy and the world. I love it. Oh, thank you. It's It's been a pleasure. I look forward to starting our neural service. <laughs> I do, too. Thanks. Have a blessed day. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we're going to be switching gears, but remember what Tracy said, because this is fascinating. And, again, it doesn't have to just be in an organization. It could be something that you're practicing and that you're doing at home. Remember, connecting and and really asking questions and showing interest and and allowing that level of trust to really grow. And you have the power. That's why we call it Power Your Life. And Tracy said it. You have the ability. We can do this. You can do this. Next week we're shifting gears, and I have Gabe, Gabe Berman, and he's going to talk about how you can win the war 
with your mind. Wonderful. That's May 17th at noon Eastern. And if you've missed any part of today's show, you can go to Blog Talk Radio on my website, Dr. Dr. Joanne, J-O-A-N-N-E-W-H-I-T-E.com, drjoannewhite.com, and check out some of the free articles and, and programs. And remember, each and every day you're making a choice to take a step into your beautiful, exquisite power. So do it. Take that step, even if it's a small one. And thanks for being here. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.